uh, Joel here from Restoration Church. I'm sitting with my dear friend, Miss Rachel Gillett. Hi, Joel. Hey, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Good to be here. Okay. So the idea here is Rachel has been, she did her first teaching a couple weeks ago, and we've going to be inviting people to have conversations based on kind of what we've been focusing on here at Restoration. We thought um, might as well have a little conversation to preview what it is we'll be talking about with these people. So Rachel, would you mind sharing kind of what we'll be focusing on here to begin with? Sure. This summer we're just going to talk about the spiritual practice of hospitality. And uh, we've been kind of diving into the Bible, um, different stories in the Bible, uh, different understandings about the call on God's people to be hospitable in ways maybe we haven't considered it. We often think of hospitality as uh, entertaining, but that is not the biblical idea of hospitality. So we're kind of talking about it, and I know that today you're going to talk with um, Kelly and Karen, and one of the things I thought of when it comes to hospitality is it's really a deep, deep sense of spiritual hospitality to open your home to foster children, um, let alone adoption. And this couple has done that for years now in ways that are as close to the heart of Jesus as I imagine uh, we can probably get. So that's kind of a framework of what you will probably be talking about with them. Yeah, and my conversation with them was I enjoyed it greatly. It was both fun and at some point it didn't even become like a recording it was just like we were talking about it and getting to hear their testimony was really cool um have you had a chance to listen through it yet yeah i loved it i just loved their heart i saw the video um yeah super cool people was there anything that kind of jumped out to you that um i think mainly just the humility which with which they approach it i think throughout the podcast i just hear that that sense of they're here to serve the children, whatever that looks like. Um, they have a sense of always learning, always of growing in that, and willing to admit that when they haven't got it figured out, that there's another way and try something different. I just, I love the sense of that um, experiment of hospitality, that it's not always what we imagine it to be. Sometimes our version of hospitality isn't a gift at all. And that's what you kind of hear in their heart, their willingness to be humble enough and to serve these these teenagers yeah one of the things that stood out to me that they mentioned was this idea that like even though they're the adults overseeing these children like they're imperfect too and to own that not to like you know not to try and hide that from their children or hide that from these people kind of own that you know here at restoration we're trying to say like we're not perfect either you know we Mm -hmm. want to be hospitable i'm sure we'll make a mistake if we haven't already but it's just that idea like taking that and then growing from that and I mean, again, yeah, we're all imperfect, so. Well, we kind of have that mantra, imperfect people following in the way of Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And they completely embodied that in your interview with them. Yeah, I was, I was, I didn't even have to lead them that way. That's just where they went, and it was, (laughs) it was perfect, so. Um, All right, well, I guess from here, we'll go ahead and listen to what it is they had to share with us, so thank you. Thanks, Joel. So, in your guys' journey, did you always know you wanted to do this, or why did you guys decide to begin this, or what brought you to this point where you decided to begin opening up your home and inviting these strangers in and then making them part of your family? Um, she always wanted to adopt. I always wanted to have a large family. Um, and after our third biological kid, 
the doctor said you probably shouldn't told Karen probably shouldn't have any more kids um and so it was something that we kind of talked about periodically um not really um very intentional about the pursuit of it we did look at overseas adoption a little bit and some different things like that different scenarios but we ended up um really she was the driving force in pursuing um fostering and adopting she really almost literally drug me into the process and um i think once we took our first maps class which is your first step in being certified to be able to be a foster parent um after a couple of sessions of that and just uh, finally understanding and hearing about the need that was there realizing that it just wasn't an option for us not to do something and um fostering was a challenge but there was always a light at the end of the tunnel you knew at some point um these kids were going to go to another foster home or they were going to go back to their parents ideally and so to me that was easier to grasp put my head around and um knowing that each um kid that came to stay with us that it was a temporary situation I'm thinking I can do this for however long it's going to be when it came to adoption um and the permanency of it that was really intimidating for me after seeing um just how how being taken from their parents no matter the reason how that affected the child and how it could create behaviors based on that trauma of being removed from their kids you kind of go oh this isn't just like having another baby and so um i i kind of dug in again and drug my my heels a little bit more when it, we were pushing towards adoption from foster care is that how you remember it it is how okay. i remember it mm-hmm. <laughs> sure okay all right okay. all right um so yeah this idea of you know starting with this idea of hospitality i think as we start restoration we want to be a hospitable place unfortunately there are a lot of places where a lot of people don't feel welcome they don't feel invited and things right. like that and so we really want to from the beginning set this tone of being inviting people in and being like you guys a safe place for people and things like that um i actually teach at an elementary school in salina and so i know like for me i work with a lot of students with kind of rougher families and things like that and so something i had to really learn to do is be like very intentional in what i do in the classroom and the things i say and the way i interact with my students and i mean just pretty quickly that can turn on me if i if i if i'm not intentional if i mm-hmm. if i misspeak if i misstep and then i lose that trust so kind of just in your guys experience what have some been some like intentional things you've done to um create that trust with these with these kids you've brought in and to again just make them feel welcome and actually make them feel part of the family not just like an outsider visiting or something like that but what are those intentional things you guys feel like you attempt I think everything from uh conversations like that's your uncle that's your cousin that's that's your aunt that's you know oh i talked about my parents who both passed away but oh your grandma you know your grandpa um always that and um even you know our kids have been with us long enough that um they have certain behaviors that echo what we do and so um i go oh you got that from your dad and that gives that kind of um that permanency but i um i'm also a teacher and and i understand that how quickly 
you can undermine your own your own progress with the kid. And we have absolutely done that. We have absolutely made every mistake there is to be made. And thankfully, our Lord is a God of grace um, that, you know, just have to rebuild trust with them and, and uh, you know, them with us and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but I think when we talk to them about hard things, we have a, a disciplinary thing or, or anything, we couch it in love. Like, I love you. You are mine. But what you did wasn't okay because, but remember, I love you. And I've even picked a kid up from school who had just done something crazy at school. And I said, hey, before we get in the car, I want you to know whatever you're going to tell me or whatever I've heard from your teachers, you're my kid and I love you. And that just, I could see, you know, just the, oh, okay. They're not kicking me out. I'm not moving on because they get bumped. Behavior gets them bumped from home to home. And um, no matter how, you know, the court date, all the stuff that we've done, you know, you are a Cooper now, all that kind of stuff, that fear is right under the surface at all times. And um, you're going to give up on me. You're going to give up. And they'll do things almost intentionally to push us to give up. And um, as long as we both don't give up on the same day, I think that's, that's who we are. That's, that sounds really desperate and terrible, but it's, it's the truth. So. No, but I mean, that's, that's perfect because I think that's something we're trying to start from our base is just this idea of like, we're here to help, but we're, in, we're in perfect also. We're trying mm-hmm. to do what we can, but ultimately we're kind of helping each other out and supporting each other in that sense. So um, that idea of truth mm-hmm. out of love is um, something we're, we're trying. We're mm-hmm. hopefully hitting really hard on. So um, I guess to follow up on that, uh, back to my classroom. How do you know, like, when things are going well and things aren't necessarily going well? Because I know, like, with my students, I think, like, sometimes it's very obvious. And they'll just flat out tell me, like, you know, whatever, the way Mr. Wallace, and they're very transparent and things like that. But then sometimes I have to look for other signs and things like that. So sort of, would you say there's anything that you've noticed over the years of, like, that kid is slowly warming up to us or things are starting to progress and go well? Or the other side of that, like, man, I know they, they're acting like they're quite helped them feel. So I guess both sides of that, what have you noticed worked? Or what do you notice are signs of success and signs of still work to be done? Um, really, most behaviors um, that you see in any kid, or an adult for that matter, is a need that's trying to be met. And so what one thing that we've learned slowly is that look for the need behind the behavior. And um, with each kid, it's going to be different as well. One mistake we made as parents early on with our bio children is that um, we basically parented them consistently. We felt like they all need the exact same discipline, the exact same treatment, when that wasn't true because they have such different temperaments. Um, that was a mistake we made. We should have looked at each individual kid's needs and parented them and adjusted our style for each one of those. We've learned to do that a little bit better with the bonus three in a way that uh, they react to certain situations. Two behaviors that are duplicated in two different kids might mean two different things. And um, so I think that's one of the things that's helped us the most as far as identifying of how they're doing is 
getting to know them, obviously that takes time, and then allowing each personality to come out to where you can read each individual and, and explore. And one of the most important things that we do is like, seems like you're feeling not good right now or you're feeling anxious about something right now. Um, would you like to talk about it? And a lot of times they won't in that moment. <laughs> no. no, I don't want to talk about it. But they might come back a day later, three days later, ten minutes later, and share what what their struggle is. I just was like, don't do that. Good job. Don't do that. Good job. We've changed our parenting style a lot. It's been really good for us. The, the barometer with the kids is anything from, um, you know, a complete blow up, a big fight, uh, things like that, or a complete withdrawal. So you just kind of, it's like juggling, it's balancing, and, and then balancing our own emotions, our relationship being the most important relationship um, in the family, um, keeping that, you know, our relationship with God and then our relationship with each other um, helps a lot. So I think, I think if that translates to your church, it's like what Cooper said is, um, you're going to have to identify the needs of the people coming in. And what is that person's need? Is it just a physical need? Is it just they need to be near people? Uh, or is it, is it a, you know, like a primal need? They need food and they need somewhere to live. Um, they need uh, a network of people to rely on for things like that or, or something else. You know, and um, you'll find that out as you become familiar with people. <coughs> uh, but identifying the need, basically, once you get that down, or at least understand it, then that helps a lot. Yeah, I like that idea of just kind of consistency. <coughs> um, and same with the classroom, you know. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. If you ask them one day, you don't get the right response. You know, just be dependable, be reliable, and that's hopefully as a church, that's what, something we can provide for people and that idea that hospitality is, I mean, it sounds like a simple term, but what we're going for is a very broad, in fact, Rachel, she can food, drink, conversation, shelter, kindness, comfort, a sense of home, and just uh, being provided for. So mm-hmm. it really is an all-inclusive thing that hopefully we're going for. And again, you guys kind of have to be all-inclusive in, um, mm-hmm. in everything that you do. So, and kind of what you were saying there, Kelly, um, goes to my next question here as far as like the differences between the people you've brought in and stuff like that and the church. We're actually being, we're hopeful that we are very different. We don't sure. necessarily want everyone to come in and be the exact same and uh, things like that. We want to have, um, you know, just broadly inviting people. It's not just like, well, if you, if you don't believe what we believe, sorry, we can't help you. We want to be <laughs> very broad, very wide um, invitation. So I guess, and you kind of answered that a little bit, but my question was just like, so when these kids come into your home, they're different amongst each other, but they're also very different from you guys. Some of them are very young, some of them are older. So how do you accommodate the differences? Um, I, I think both of us have learned a lot. We came from a very, um, both of us come from a southwest, or western Kansas background. Yeah, that's it. I'm northwest. There's a difference. A western Kansas background <laughs> where... Um, everything was pretty homogenized. Now, my culture and hers, I would say, Atwood, where you came from, was 95% white. Mm -hmm. Where I came from, it was maybe 70%, so 15% African-American, 5%, 10% 
um, Hispanic, Vietnamese, Cambodians. We had a meatpacking plant there, which just brought all kind of diversity. So I've always appreciated that. Karen appreciated it in that it was unique to her. Like when she went to college and met people from different cultures, it was a way for her to explore. And, and as you get to know people from different backgrounds, different points of view, you develop as a person. And um, it changes you. Each person that we interact with on a daily basis, even this brief conversation, will change me and it'll change you because you're taking that information and, and adding it to the collection that you have in your brain. And so diversity, Paul talks about it, I can't tell you which book, but in the church, just different parts of the body doing different things and the different gifts that are in the church um, all work together to make the church one body. And so I like the idea of you guys pursuing diversity in that it brings a more fuller, recognizable body, a more relatable body to different parts of the culture there in Salina and, and central Kansas. So with kids, how that applies is we have so many different personalities in our family that our kids benefit and we benefit of working with people with different and it could be what some people would consider a handicap, anxiety or depression or um, being very strong-willed or being very passive-aggressive. We have all those different personalities within our family, and mostly all of those in me. And, um, and so you end up getting to learn how to deal with people like that. And you learn the strengths and the weaknesses that each one of us has and how we can work together in a community. I think also um, being really transparent and open about our own limitations and um, you, um, uh, I don't want to say here, but like, uh, so there are times when I am really on my game. Um, I can handle all the kids and firing away questions and they're and we're clicking along yeah. and we're doing good. And I can I can go that way for a long time. And then it seems like I'll kinda of just crash. Whatever. I'm too tired. I'm I'm fighting a cold or whatever. And I just kinda of crash. And I have to turn to my kids and stop and go, Okay, here's how I'm feeling right now. And it isn't your fault. But I can't handle any more at this point. So I'm going to uh, go to my room, and which I hardly ever do, go to my room and watch TV. Or um, I'm going to take a walk. Or a, a friend is going to meet me in Kansas City. We're going to spend the night there. We're just going to have some coffee and art and all that kind of stuff. Mom needs to recharge. In one way, it makes them feel insecure because they think they've done something wrong. But it's my job to con just communicate with them. It isn't that you've done something wrong. It's just that our life is this way, and I love it, but I need to, it needs to quiet down for just a little bit, just for me, for my mental health, and, and not to project, um, you know, my stuff onto them. And, um, and then that also helps them to model. So we are, we are having some breakthroughs with a couple of kids going, uh, they come in, and they're just raging, and da 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 and they calm down, and then they'll say, you know, actually, there was a lot of drama at the skate park today and I was right in the middle of it and I hate drama but I'm always right in the middle of it and I don't understand why I do that and I'm mad at myself and I'm mad at my friends like breakthrough that's amazing that's cool we talked about it you know 
and you know that would be our son he's kind of like had a little epiphany there that he could kind of talk to us first he has to slam things and maybe do a little bit of swearing or something like that you know but uh we just kind of that's just noise that's just the noise and after the noise then they'll come back and they'll say what it is that's not always not always and not off but not often but if they can do it at all that's huge yeah, and that's the same thing how we're trying to do is this idea of, like, if we portray ourselves as perfect, then when they see that we're not perfect, it just can be devastating, can be crushing, and then their belief or their, whatever, their trust in us is just gone. And I mean, I've seen it in the church happen different times, and so that's something we're trying to do is, I think it's even in one of our um, core beliefs is, like, we are imperfect. Mm-hmm. So, just a, head, just a heads up. Do we have enough for one more? Yeah, we do. Okay, so last question here, and... When I spoke last night, you guys kind of shared a little bit about this, like, I know, like, we always think God calls us to do these things, and, you know, it's, we're going to these people to help them, or to serve in whatever way, but if you've been doing this long enough, you always know that, like, even though God's using you for his work, he's also doing work in you, so what would you say has, like, been the effect that this has had on you over the years, and how has God um, just been able to work in you through this? I think for me, it's a better understanding of God's love for me. Um, you know, when I'm having a hard time, you know, the kids are greedy, they're selfish, they don't listen, they, all they need to do is do what I ask them to do, because what I'm asking them to do makes sense, and it's going to help them, and what they're doing is going to hurt them, and blah, and then I'm like, oh, I get it now, God, sorry, that's me, that's totally me, I'm an ungrateful little turd, and so, um, that has really helped me to understand more fully and be in more be more in awe of God's love for me and what he provided through Jesus Christ like all that and you still sent your son for me and um, so it helps you understand how depraved you can be also you know sometimes I don't turn to my children and say hey mom needs a break I just flip, and I'm I'm an ugly, screaming disaster, and um, then I have to go back to my kids, and I have to apologize. I have to restore, and um, and all that is just I mean the family itself is just such a reflection of you know what God intends for the church to be. And then um, I think an adoptive family, even in another way, in a more unique way, also is. Because an adoptive family, there's all kinds. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it's done for me. And also peeled away all the layers of pride, and I thought I only had one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's humbled me and Karen both um, in a lot of ways. It's exposed our weaknesses as we try to help them through their weaknesses um, or what we perceive as weaknesses that we see in our kids. Um, any parent will tell you that um, having children is humbling. But uh, trying to think, what else has it done for me? It's, it's created a level of patience and understanding. Um, I was... I don't even know how to say it. I was not a very nice person 
not that long ago in that I had very little compassion for people that didn't um, toe the line in life or whatever. And so if I would see a homeless person on the street, I'd say, hey, dude, get a job. I'm not giving you any money. And um, not realizing that everybody didn't grow up like me, the two parents and um, middle class. And so seeing these kids and understanding the backgrounds that they come from has really opened up my eyes to realize that um, everybody has a different story and God is working in that story and has a purpose in that story. So I used to look down at people that didn't have the or uh, what should I say, the worldly um, success or whatever, achievement, and saw them less than. And now I've realized that they have the exact same value. Everybody's made in God's image. And whether they're homeless, whether they're poor, whether they're rich, the footing is equal at the cross. And so worldly success or lack thereof has zero to do with anything. Um, just being made in the image of God is what gives a human, no matter what status or station, uh, value and infinite value. They're sacred. Awesome. Thank you, Karen Kelly. Greatly appreciate this. This has been awesome. Um, like I said, restoration will be doing this each month. So until next time. All right, that was my conversation with Karen and Kelly. Uh, Again, just a quick shout out to them and thank you for sitting down and taking the time to share that and even just kind of opening up and giving us that glimpse into your family's lives. Uh, I hope that everyone who gets a chance to hear this enjoys it. I know that conversation, I, even just for my own personal sake, I very much enjoyed it. It was, I know I I grew through it, so hopefully others can too. And thanks to Rachel for sitting down and, um, kind of getting us that intro to just set up the conversation we had with him until next time.